This is an ABC podcast. Oh my gosh, Molly, I am so excited to try some traditional Swedish food in Sweden. Oh, this was such a good decision. Our very own special Swedish hiking holiday. I know, stunning scenery, friendly people, beautiful architecture, brooding weather. And don't you dare forget the food. Cloud berries, waffles, delicious pastries. And this traditional Swedish restaurant looks amazing. Oh, I didn't realise how hungry I was. Come on, let's order. Hey, welcome to Janmage, our little mountain restaurant. Ooh, what does Jan Mage mean? Literally, it's iron stomach in Swedish. Now, my name is Hilda, your waitress. And I'm Axel. I'll be making your food today. Yeah, and I see you have several different types of salty licorice. And 20 different fishball meal combos. Yes, we serve traditional Swedish delicacies. Wait a sec, what's that famously smelly tinned fish you have in Sweden? You mean surströmming. (gasps) That's it! Well, of course we have surströmming. The word literally means sour Herring. Oh, I'd love to try some of that. It's the most famously stinky food in the world. Are you sure you want some? Yes, please. There are many videos of people vomiting and gagging while trying to eat it. But it is a delicacy for northern Swedish people. In fact, it is so smelly that we normally open it outside to air it out a bit first. And we usually mix it with some other food so it's not as intense. Don't be silly. I want the full Sir's Thrumming experience. Give it to me. Well, Hildy, he did ask for it. And the tourists love it. Oh, yeah. Open that tin. I'm a brave tourist. Oh, oh my God. It smells awful. Oh, it's like a combination of off fish, baby nappy... Plus, like, dead animals and sewage. Ugh, it's slimy, dripping, soupy fish. How long has it been stewing inside that tin? Oh, you know, just a few months. I hope you will try our surströmming. Ah, okay. Challenge accepted. Well, we do encourage people to be courageous. Yeah, not me. It feels completely unsafe to put this food anywhere near my body. I can do it, Swedish friends, because I'm brave. Come on, Molly, don't be a coward. Oh, Carl, I am not a coward because I won't eat this. And actually, do you even know what it means to be a coward or to be brave? Uh, Yeah, it's pretty obvious. I'm brave, you're a coward. Today on Short and Curly, in praise of cowards, are they the real heroes? No way. Brave people are always the heroes. Or are they? Let's find out. Oh, my God, this fish smells awful. Hello, and today you're listening to... Short, you're listening to Short and Curly. And Curly. Yay! Short and Curly! Curly, 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 Curly. And Before I bravely eat stinky fish, maybe just give me a minute or two to psych myself up. Fine. 
Let's pause for our first thinking question. And remember, you can stop the show here to think about this one or to chat about it with those around you. Have you ever been pressured into eating something that you thought was gross or weird or disgusting? What was the experience like? Hit pause now. Okay, I feel like I'm getting more used to the idea of eating that rank fish. But can I just have one more minute, Molly? Wow, some brave hero you are. Fine. Let's see what our Brains Trust has to say about some of their moments of true bravery. When I hear the word brave, I usually think of someone like Superman when a massive robot is attacking a massive city and killing thousands of people. I usually think of Superman coming to save the day. It's pretty scary to fight a massive robot almost 50 times your size. And he's like usually super brave to do that. When I think of brave, I think of somebody that does something that nobody else has done before, like an astronaut, like Neil Armstrong, when he first walked on the moon, the first person on, in the world. I think of someone who goes out of the way to save lives, like Simpson and his donkey. He always went out and he ended up saving so many lives, no matter how much he got teased because he didn't want to carry a gun. Well, you're like brave if you go outside your comfort zone, not if you do silly things like jump off a cliff because your friends told you to. You're brave if you do things you know that are scary, but you're doing it for a good reason. It's brave because you know that like, there is chances that you're going to fail. You know what? I think I need to draw on the strength of my brave ancestors to overcome this terrible, stinky obstacle. Lucky I come from a long line of brave smiths. Oh, this story again? Yes, again, and always. Did you know that one of the bravest smiths before me was Swedish? Hans Smooth. Heard of him? Oh, no, I haven't. What? But he should be famous in these parts. Hans Smooth was a true hero. Hans was an everyday snow sweeper with a massive red beard and googly spectacles. He was strong as an ox, as flexible as a gymnast, and as brave as a mountain goat. One day, easing his muscles in the sauna after a hard day's work, his friends dared him to climb Sweden's tallest mountain, Kebnekaiser. They joked he would be a fool to even try it because he had never even climbed a small hill before. In just his underwear, he raced out into the snow and scaled the icy peak. Many say he never made it to the top, but we smiths and smooths know better. Dear Uncle Hans was the bravest of us all. Why did you do an accent? Yeah, it was very weird, but a wonderful story. I'm amazed I've never heard of him. Everyone around here believes it was French mountaineer Charles Rabot who climbed it first in 1883. Wait a second. 
Hans Smooth was just rushing into danger, unprepared for no good reason. Molly, you dare besmirch the good Smooth name? For shame. Thank you, Axel. What? But that's not bravery. He just wanted everyone to think he was a hero and he was being super reckless. Where's Matt? He'd back me up on this. Hey, gang. Oh, do you want to smell sursruming? Oh, nothing like the smell of decaying poo. Matt, where have you been? I just went to do a bit of tobogganing. One day, I'll be a pro. Matt, take off those snow gloves and put on your ethics gloves. I'm getting called a coward for not eating stinky fish. And everyone seems to think Carl's foolish ancestor Hans is some kind of hero. Um, what gives? Courage is one of those things we all think we understand, but it's actually a bit tricky. When we first learn about courage and being brave, we're often told that courage is about overcoming our fears. We're told not to let our fears control us. That makes us think of bravery in terms of someone who does scary stuff and to think of people who don't do scary stuff as being cowards. But that's not how philosophers like to think about it. Okay, so I guess this is the bit where you're going to give us a big old speech about philosophy, right? All right you are, Molly. Aristotle, the ancient Greek philosopher, thought that courage was all about how we deal with fear. He thought brave people were only afraid of things that we have good reasons to fear and that the brave person makes wise decisions based on their fear. Okay, I think I need an example here. You got it. Let's say something crawls into the room right now, like a big, hairy spider. Um, okay. Sorry about Carl, please continue. So a big spider comes into the room. Some people, Carl, are going to freak out. Other people aren't going to care very much. But the brave person is the one who knows whether they should fear the spider or not. They feel the right amount of fear toward the spider and act based on that fear. Right, so if it's a venomous spider, they'd avoid it. If it's not venomous, they'd ignore it. That's it. But either way, they're not overcoming their fear. Instead, they're moulding their fear in a way that represents the real world, what's actually scary and what's not. And the reason I was so distressed was because I assumed it was a very venomous spider. Yes, it was a very venomous imaginary spider. But... It also matters why we're doing what we're doing. Is there some good reason for putting ourselves in a dangerous situation? There's a big difference between going near a venomous spider because it's close to a tiny baby who you want to save and doing it because we want to see what happens to the spider if we poke it. So what about my famous relative, Hans Smooth, the man who never knew fear? Or anything, really, for that matter. Are you saying he wasn't brave? To be brave, you have to know what you're risking and then act accordingly. Hans knew that he was risking his life and he did it anyway just to prove his friends wrong. That might not be brave. It could be reckless. That's when you don't fear things enough. It's like the opposite of cowardice. Okay, so let me get this straight. 
First, there's cowardice, which is too much fear. Second, there's courage, when we fear the right stuff. And third, there's recklessness, when there's not enough fear. That's it, Molly. You can think of courage as the happy middle place between cowardice and recklessness. Now, back to the slopes. There's a double black diamond run with my name on it. Oh, usually you ski down those, not toboggan. You might die. Oh, he's gone. Good luck, Matt. I believe in you. Okay, time for a thinking question. Feel free to pause here to ponder this one. You heard earlier from our Brains Trust with their stories of bravery. Now, what about your own experience? Think about a situation where you had to be brave. Did you have the right amount of fear in that situation? And did you respond to that fear in the right way? Hit pause now. Now let's hear what our Brains Trust thinks about bravery. At school camps, I don't really like going away from my family for a bit of time. And that was kind of stepping out my comfort zone the first time I went to a school camp or when I stayed a night without my parents. That was being brave for me. Yes, I was brave probably when my sister was young. She got my dad's shaver and she popped it in her mouth and pressed it and she cut open her whole mouth. And I think I was brave, like how I handled it. I just dealt with it calm so my sister wouldn't freak out. So I just got an ice pack and I shoved it in my sister's mouth. Last year, there was a McBeard speaking competition and we had to do it in front of our class first. And I wasn't very brave, like I didn't want to do it. I forgot my lines. I completely like broke down halfway. But like my teacher and classmates, they were like cheering me and they like, I pushed on, I guess. And I ended up getting a second in the finals. So that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't brave. Waiter, Axel. All this talk about bravery has me inspired. I'm ready to try your surströmming. Oh, great. It should be aired out by now. How exciting. Aired out? It still smells dreadful. It's just fermented herring in old salty water. Okay. Oh, I'm just going to step in here for you, Carl. Please don't eat the fish. Axel, thank you for your generosity, but I don't think our sensitive Australian stomachs will be able to deal. But... We show you such kindness, and you reject our gifts. Oh, no, it's not that. Look, I think I know how to explain this. Carl, you told a story about your ancestor. Now let me tell you all about one of mine. The year is 1209, and Europe is in chaos. Princess Polly Danton Ellis, daughter of Knut VI, the former King of Denmark, is left with just one tiny castle. The new usurper King Valdemar is invading her lands and his army is camped outside her castle. Polly was a famous sword fighter in charge of a great army. She was known as Polly Warrior Princess. 
She and her warriors believed they should and would die in battle defending their lands and their people. On the eve of the final battle, Princess Polly went to speak with King Valdemar. That's when Valdemar told her about his second army camped in hiding. There was no way she could win. She thought about fighting to the death. She knew that's what her warriors would want to do. But when she stopped to consider the many innocent people who would be consumed by the battle, she realised she only had one option, to surrender. As the gates were opened to the invaders, her warriors were shocked and furious and threw rotten fruit at her. They called her a coward. But what our family believes is that she's the bravest warrior princess of them all because she put aside her reputation to save countless lives. No Hans Smooth, was she? So what's this cowardly princess got to do with you not eating stinky fish? Oh, Carl, sometimes we call people cowards when they're making a sensible decision, like not trying to fight against impossible odds, which is why I refuse to go into battle against this impossibly stinky fish. So you're just chickening out then? Oh, you don't get it. I'm walking away. I think that's the most courageous thing to do in this situation. How? Because first, I don't want to get sick. And no offence, Axel, but that smells rank. None taken. That's a compliment for surströmming. Second, I'm worried I won't like it and I don't want to offend our new waiter friends. Hmm. Third, remember how I'm a vegetarian? I don't eat meat because I don't think it's nice to eat other animals. Oh, I'm sorry. We didn't know. You're cool, Axel. You're cool. And finally, eating the fish wouldn't be brave. It's basically just giving in to peer pressure. It's okay, Molly. You can just say it. You're scared. I'm not, Carl. You just don't know the difference between making a smart decision and being a coward. Well, what is the difference? What's the definition of a coward, then? I'll leave that to our brains trust. A coward is if you don't stand up for yourself. It's like the opposite of brave. Uh, probably being a coward is like when you fight with your like little sister and you use the advantage that you're older and then you put all your power onto them to make them feel like they're not worth nothing and you're worth like, more. In some ways, cowardice can be a bad thing. If you don't stand up for something that you did, if you don't be brave and speak up, like if your friends were getting bullied or someone was being picked on, it could just save your life being a coward. I know being a cow can be an insult, but it probably shouldn't be. I feel like it's okay if you fear something not to do it. Fear is there to protect you. The reason we have fear is so you don't go doing silly things like jumping off a cliff or skydiving without a parachute. It's there to protect us. Molly, I totally get that you don't want to eat the fish. No judgement there, but I don't see how you can say that's a brave choice. Carl, enough. I'm no coward. Whoa, coward? Because she doesn't want to eat the sustroming? 
Huh, when did you get back from tobogganing, Matt? And why are you siding with Molly? I'm siding with Molly because I'm not sure that is cowardice. But if Molly's not tough enough to eat gross food, she's basically wussing out. When we say that someone's being a wuss, we're basically saying they're not being tough enough. But being brave isn't the same as being tough, and we shouldn't get them mixed up. Okay, so what is the difference? Bravery is about overcoming fear when there's a good reason. Toughness is just about overcoming challenges no matter what they are. And that's not always a good thing. What do you mean? Well, here's an example. When I was at uni, I used to work in a cafe. And one day this man came in and ordered a large latte with eight sugars in it. I told him that seemed like a lot of sugar. And he said in this big, tough voice, yeah, diabetes runs in my family, but I don't even care. That is a very strange thing to brag about. It's a very weird flex indeed. He was acting tough, like he was overcoming health warnings about consuming too much sugar. But that didn't make him brave. It would have been a lot smarter to listen to the health warnings. Wait, you said it would have been smarter, but what does being smart have to do with being brave? Well, if we're going to act bravely, we have to do a bit of thinking first. Otherwise, we don't know if what we're doing is worth the risk. But we have to be careful not to confuse being smart with being a coward. Some people are very good at weaseling out of tough challenges because they don't want to take any risks, even when there's a good reason that they should. Yeah, Molly, Molly, sounds like someone I know, eh? Huh? Carl, how very dare you? Well, Molly, I've waited long enough. The Surströmming is calling my name. I will eat it now because it is the brave thing to do. He is going to do it. Here goes. The taste isn't so bad, the smell was much worse. I've overcome a terrible obstacle. I am a brave hero, just like Hans Smooth. Well, let's leave that for you listening to decide. Who's the real courageous hero here? Our final thinking question is, who's the most courageous? Me, for choosing not to eat the surströming, even though Carl was pressuring me. Or me, for eating the stinky fish. Hit pause now. Feel free to write in and tell us why you think I'm a hero. Or why you think I wasn't a coward at all. Thanks as always to Short and Curly's producer, Kyla Slavin, whose ancestors rode mooses. Harnessed, of course, by producer Jake Morecambe. And thanks also to Justine Kelly and Kelly Reardon, who crafted this elegant Viking ship known as ABC Audio Studios. Our brains trust today were Sienna, Daniel, Eleanor, Eva, Kaizen and Letitia from Guardian Angels Primary School in Queensland. And a special thanks to our voice actors, Asa Lindstrom and Jonathan Webb. You are most welcome. Thanks for visiting. Okay, time to hit the road again, Carl. We've got another six hours of hiking ahead. Here, take some surströming home with you to Australia. Thanks. We won't. Bye. Now, Molly, harness your moose. 
Onwards to the great fjords of the north! Yeah! This has been an ABC podcast. Check out the ABC Kids Listen app. It's full of educational and entertaining audio programs. We hope you enjoyed our show today about bravery and cowardice. You know, we have made other shows which kind of look at this topic. Yeah, like our Harry Potter episode about Severus Snape. And whether he might be braver than we think. Oh, and remember that time we climbed Mount Everest, Molly? Yeah, well, that didn't end so well. Eh, but still, it got us thinking about what makes someone truly brave. Yeah, so go and search up some of our older Short and Curly episodes. Severus Snape and Climbing Mount Everest are just two of our shows about bravery and courage.